Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur's Podcast. I'm Just Bizarro. I'm your host. That's B I Z A R O. For anyone trying to find us out there, we're on Spotify or anywhere else you grow yourself on podcast, or you can find us on Instagram at Justin Bizarro. And uh, you can also reach out to us by text now, which is on our Instagram. You can text us if you want to be on the show uh, as an entrepreneur or you have questions for the entrepreneurs on the show. So with that being said, we're back in Nashville, Tennessee for an episode with Melanie Nelson of the Roasted Coconut Fresh Food Truck. How are you doing today, Melanie? I'm doing great. Doing great. Thank you for asking. You're very welcome. So let's talk about this. How did you end up an entrepreneur one, how'd you end up in food? Two and three, how'd you end up in a food trucking? I mean, did the interest start when you were young with food? So I guess well, that's the, where we the, start. The interest started for me as an entrepreneur young. The food element is new. So um, just when I was growing up in South Florida, we had, you know, the access to so much fresh food, fresh food, t- tropical food. Um, well, what they call acai bowls now, they use it interchangeably for smoothie bowls, but we just called them fruit bowls when we were building them when I was young. And, you know, Tennessee didn't have that. I was constantly looking for a good acai or smoothie bowl and never found one. And that's sort of how I got into the food element. But the entrepreneurial bug has always been in my soul. And I have just been working towards that since I got out of college. So let's talk about that. Um, you go to college. Where did you go to college? I went to the University of West Florida. There you go. And what'd you study? I studied communications. Um, my discipline was in TV, radio, and film, coincidentally. And my minor was in travel and tourism because I did think I was going to stay in Florida. Um, I didn't end up doing that. Uh, relocation for a job moved me to Nashville. Uh, I worked in the business development industry and training industry for a while in, in a, at Gaylord Hotel before it was purchased by Marriott. And then I moved to a large over 200 person law firm in their business development and marketing department. Very cool. And I think all of it kind of ties together being in Nashville, just because the tourism, the food, the business development, the growing market there. One of the reasons I'm there, as we just talked about before the podcast, is uh, that there's a huge growing food market, showmanship, musicians, entertainment, television, media, all that stuff that's growing up there. So it's a, a hotbed, I feel like. So why a food truck and okay, you have the love for the the acai bowls. I hope I said that correctly. I never get it right. And um, and so how how do you turn this idea and this? You start manifesting it, but how do you make it a reality? So just take your first step forward. Um, when I saw that I was ready to move on from my current position. I started to brainstorm what I wanted to do. And ideally what I wanted to do was bring fresh food to Nashville. There is a whole lot of fried food, a whole lot of soul food, lots of meat and threes. We're very much on the same page here. I I 100% agree with you. There's hardly any fresh, clean, healthy, whole foods. Go on. Correct. Correct. So that was where I saw a need and I wanted to fill it. Now, at that point, I did not know how I was going to fill it or how I was going to move into the food industry only having server experience because I worked in service, um, obviously in the hotel industry, but serving tables, of course, in high school and college and and all of that, what, what so many of us do going through college. And that is the only experience on the food side that I had. But I thought the food truck would be a good 
lower cost way, because in no way is food trucking inexpensive, um, a lower cost way to start, you know, my idea of bringing fresh fruit to Nashville. Um, so I did that. I just talked to my husband and we made it happen and started a plan and started looking for everything, you know, a food truck second hand. We ended up getting super lucky, which I can't even believe it because it's so hard to find a good empty food truck you can build out. But we found one at a great price and I just started moving forward. I put my notice in at the law firm in October of 2021. And here we are over a year later. Well, I like this because people don't realize that the food truck is it's very quick to get your business model under wraps because we talked to, before this you're like actually starting a brick and mortar in lemon in tennessee i hope Correct. i say that right because i'm from pennsylvania originally i was till i was four and then i moved to maryland but lebanon is a pennsylvania thing up here it's also lebanon baloney it's also like amish country and everything else pennsylvania dutch so i don't know if it's the same but the um it's not far from nashville as we talked about so you you're let's before we get into the brick and mortar, I just want to tie the audience to that so we hook them in to be like this, you know, this food truck thing is a real deal to test your business model and get things right. So before we get there, let's talk about how you develop a menu. Um, actually, no, no, no. Let me take one more step back. Talk to me about your relationship with your husband because you're obviously in a steady career. You yes. you have income. You guy, I don't know if you have children or dogs or whatever. Well, you do have dogs. We talked about it beforehand. And so you have responsibilities. Like, so all of a sudden you're like, yeah, maybe I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to go into business with myself. So explain to me your relationship with him and how you have this conversation as like, I have this scratch, this itch. I'm an entrepreneur. I need to go fulfill this. Well, first and foremost, the one thing that is the most important being an entrepreneur is your support system. My husband is my biggest cheerleader for sure. He's also a general contractor. So I'm very lucky in the fact that he helped me build out my food truck, which saved a ton of money, but he is my biggest supporter. I run all my ideas by him. I have three teenagers. So at that point, at, you know, a year ago, my teenagers sat me down and they were like, well, you know, we're basically grown now. You don't need a, we don't, we don't need you full time anymore. It's time you, you know, sought out your dreams for yourself and we got you and they all work on the food truck in some form and capacity. Um, my husband is constantly, you know, following me around if it's needed for events and things like that and helping me out with last minute, everything. So I can say two things. Food trucking is very hard without a support system or a partner. And so is entrepreneurship. So it may not be your husband. It may be your best friend or your family or your mom, but you definitely need a support system. I could not do this without them. Yeah. And I think it's very important. And even with two entrepreneurs that come together, sometimes you need to make sure you can support each other. And I've been in the relationship where we're two very strong entrepreneurs, but you don't know how to support each other because just whatever, you haven't developed that skill yet in the way that it needs to be done. And I agree with you. And I think that in relationships, you need to seek individuals and as a woman and I can't speak because I'm not a woman but I'm going to say as a woman I think it's probably important that there is the balance of the children the the husband and the business in a different way and when it, what looks like support to a man is different than support to a woman when it comes to balance and that's just my opinion but that's what I feel like because as an entrepreneur 
no matter what it is, you need the support system to provide you with balance. And um, as a man, I need different support than 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 a woman who also weirdly gets tasked with responsible for raising the children, even though it should be both parties' responsibility. I think, and um, right. not to be cliche, but I think as an entrepreneur in an entrepreneurial family, the weight equally starts to fall on both parties because you're raising a business, you're raising a family, and you're raising other people's children also potentially down the road. So as entrepreneurs, because we fill all the gaps for everyone else uh, and common sense wise. So here's what I'm going to ask. So you, you have the help, you have this awesome support system. I love that you, you identified it exactly how you did. I love that you've already instilled in your children belief and support of you as their mom and hey you've given to us let's give to you but also they're learning as entrepreneurs of a second generation or maybe a third i don't know but it's um that compounding effect is huge as we discussed on the last uh episode with the business that goes over as over 100 years old that compounding effect and i'm also part of that i'm like a third generation entrepreneur um and it just compounds really well so i like this and I think it compounds better when you're conscious of it like you are. And so, go ahead. I was just going to say thank you. You're very welcome. So, how do you develop the menu now? Your family's on. Like, how do you test products? Like, how do you go to market? Like, I this is one of the things that I think everyone always asks me. Oh, what's great? I bought the food truck, but what do I do next? Well, you develop a menu, I hope. But how did you go about it? Because you're talking about fresh food in a market that loves fried food oh my gosh and burgers i cannot burgers and fried chicken galore but so how do you go to market with this well um menu with regards to menu development um i had already been looking at acai now not acai not all acai dragon fruit tropical fruits are created equal so when you have a store like this you get frozen um, product that you can blend to your own traditional blend or however it is you want to do it. And you just have to work with the flavor profiles. I had a lot of taste testers, a lot of stuff that where I said, this isn't great. I don't love the way this goes together. Um, I hate to toot my own horn on this, but that is actually one of my strengths is our flavor profiles and what works together and what doesn't. Um, I know some people might struggle with that. I actually intuitively do a pretty good job on that. I struggle in other areas, of course, but the menu was important to me. You know, people wanted salads. They wanted acai bowls. Um, when we get into the cafe, we'll offer sandwiches and crepes. That's for another story. And, um, and I just wanted to bring gluten-free and dairy-free to the market because my daughter has celiacs and it was a constant battle with, you know, what works for her diet and what doesn't. And it was very important to me with our soups and everything that everything be gluten-free. Um, not everything's dairy-free, but we work very hard um, to bring everything together in our menu. And pricing, sourcing, making sure I had the least expensive option for what I was buying. Sometimes our menu is also seasonal. So it's based on what I can get readily available and the least expensive. And I just adjust my menu seasonally for that you know, along with costs and things like that. Now, one challenge I have had throughout this whole process is, you know, finding our market. So in the summer, we're a hot item because, you know, everybody's hot. They want to be cool, things like that. Um, So I found myself, you know, looking to make sure people were taken care of in all seasons. Not to mention the fact that people that say, oh, I need something heartier 
or I want a burger or a taco um, or fried chicken. So I've come across all of those uh, obstacles. But, you know, there is a market for everybody. And as an entrepreneur, you have to find your niche. And I believe that I have found that in the fact that everybody is looking to have good, clean food that makes them feel healthy after they eat it. So let's talk about the stuff you offer on the truck. What is the, let's just talk about the latest menu you did most recently, just because I know it may be switching and I don't know if you rotate your menu or not, but we can get into that um, as well. But how did you choose items? Because fresh, again, I I go back to how do you choose items that fit into the climate down there? There's people that want to eat healthy. I just think it's so hard to get and there's more restaurants. So how did you cater to that? What are the items? So, for instance, our fall and winter menu, pomegranate is a big fall and winter fruit. So we have a pomegranate salad that also has our raspberry vinaigrettes, uh, apples, feta cheese, mixed greens, um, and candied pecans. So it gives you the salty and savory and, you know, all the sweet things that you need in a salad, in my opinion. We also have what's called the Harvest Moon Salad, which brings in dried apricots. Uh, tur- um, smoked turkey, mixed greens. We also do candied pecans on that as well. Um, sangria tomatoes, carrots, English cucumbers. Um, forgot the cheese. Parmesan cheese on the top of that. Nice grated Parmesan cheese. And obviously everything's made to order. So if you have a dietary opportunity, we can adjust the salads to your liking. Same with the acai bowls. Changing the fruits with the season based on what's available is key. Otherwise, you're going to be spending a fortune on fruits that aren't in season that are bring, being flown in. So what about like soups and stuff? Do you make those and how do you go yes. about that? Yeah, we make everything fresh and scratch. Um, it's a rotating soup menu because nobody wants to get bored where a food truck we're moving around. Um, I have a huge following of regulars. And, you know, they tell me what their favorite soups are, and I try to focus on those a little, and especially bringing them a new soup every week just to open up their palate and what they might like from us. But we have a Tuscan sausage and tortellini uh, that's delicious. We are one of our very best sellers. We have a lemon chicken orzo. Uh, we, we do the orzo because it's gluten-free, naturally. Um, We also have a beef stroganoff. We do a tomato basil, butternut squash, a broccoli cheddar, loaded potato. We did a chicken harvest, uh, excuse me, a turkey harvest for after Thanksgiving, which was a huge hit. Everybody really enjoyed that. Um, But yeah, we make everything from scratch either the night before or that morning. It loads on the truck. And, you know, once we're sold out, we're sold out. That's the downside of food trucking. Limited availability of storage and being able to cook additional foods during a service. So we always sell out and it's we use gluten-free flour, everything. It's We just try really hard to make sure it's good, clean food. Yeah, and I was hoping you would sort of touch on and you did. You're basically serving the traditional foods. You just made them healthier. You're giving traditional foods better twist, the broccoli cheddar, the Tuscany uh, sausage tortellini. I believe it was tortellini. Yep, and, yep. And, um, and then even the, the orzo. And I agree with you. It's just... It's just a, a cleaner lifestyle or or a healthier lifestyle by just the nature of eating that way or just eventually becomes a lifestyle if you continue to eat that way. So what are the most po- what's the most popular bowl and soup you sort of have? I guess the acai bowl. Our most popular bowls 
are our island bowl and our PB&J bowl. So to touch on our island bowl, that's actually our signature bowl. Um, we do a mix of either coconut-based, um, fruit-based, or an acai-based. We can also mix it up with a dragon fruit and coconut. It's basically a 50-50 split of both bases. Everybody loves it. Um, we put our fresh gluten-free granola on top. Um, in addition to that, we do pineapples, fresh pineapple, fresh strawberries, fresh bananas. We have what's called lily koi butter. Lily koi is Hawaiian for passion fruit. I have a friend who owns a passion fruit farm and an acai truck in Maui. Her, she owns Humble Wagon. And she makes the lily koi butter, and I get it directly from her. So it's a wonderful new opportunity for my guests to come to the truck and experience something across, you know, the ocean that they might not normally have. I mean, it's a question I, I have that. from everybody. What is lily koi butter? So it's my, you know, gives me the ability to explain a whole other part of the world and flavor to them. So that is a big seller. It's delicious. It's passion fruit based. Um, additionally to that, we everybody usually puts almond butter on their acai bowls, which is a wonderful option. But I wanted to change it up and bring a different flavor to our bowls. And we use what's called Aloha Nut Butter. That's from a company called Clean Simple Eats out of Utah. And it is a cashew, macadamia nut, and coconut nut butter. And it is delicious. And then we put fresh, or fresh, we put salted macadamia nuts on top. And we serve it like that. And it is a huge hit. Second to that is our PB&J bowl. Um, it's just a fun way to, you know, make things comfortable for people when they come up. Part of the soul food thing, PB&J, who doesn't know that? But we do, uh, it's acai base. It's our fresh granola on top. And then we do blueberries, strawberries, and bananas with our Aloha nut butter, Nutella, and local raw honey. I love this. Okay, so... Um... Let's just let's just start branching out here. So you've come up with the concept, you come up with the menu. Now, how do you like? Where do you find clients? You talk about selling out, and everyone find you. Did you find a lot of success initially because you were fresh food, and there wasn't a lot of it? So, how did you even go to market? Where did you go? How do you choose what meals you're serving? Okay, so this is a twofold question. No, I was not successful straight out of the gate. Everybody was like, "This is not what I expected when I came up here," um, basically because they're expecting some sort of burger or some sort of something that I'm not providing. You know, I'm not cooking necessarily on the truck. I'm, it's fresh food. There's no fryers, none of that on the truck. So no, initially I was not successful, but my husband said, this is our first year open. Um, say no to nothing. Even though we might lose money, say no to nothing. We have to find our place. And if you had asked me in April when we opened on April 30th, where our place would have been, um, it would not be where, where we are ending up. So we said yes to every farmer's market, every big event. Our first huge festival two months after we opened was the CMA Fest in downtown Nashville, which isn't for the faint of heart. You know, you go in it and you just are prepared the best you can. But everybody was like, are you sure you're ready for something like this? And I was like, well, no time like the present. I uh, have a little well, bit of no fear. You'll certainly be ready afterwards. There, there is no, <laughs> there's no way to do it like jumping right in, right? So Exactly. Go I, ha I definitely have a no fear, we're going to figure it out as we go kind of concept, which is how I got into food trucking too. You know, I'm like, well, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I guess I'll figure it out as I go. Um, build my parachute on the way down from the cliff. But um, we just found it that way. I mean, everybody was really responsive after the next couple of months, especially at the farmer's markets, small, um, small events where we could really talk to the people and 
communicate what our product is and who we are. We've built a wonderful relationship with the community of Lebanon. Um, for instance, this morning, the the Lebanon Special School Districts, it's the small school district in Lebanon, they reached out and said, we want 525 mini bowls because our district loves you so much. And we're doing a heart healthy um, theme event in February. And that's what we want to do. So, you know, we love Rose to Coconut. We want to support you. Can you fulfill this this opportunity? And I was like, well, yeah. So we just said no to nothing. Now, there are some things I wish I had said no to, but that's how that goes. That's how you learn. Um, and now I know how to to grow moving forward, but it was a wonderful learning tool for us and where we belong and where we want to branch out to and the marketing behind showing people that fresh food is delicious as well. Yeah. Um, gosh, it's Rev Run's brother of Rent Run DMC. And I think their last name's Russell, but he wrote a book. He has two of them. They're great. They're about spirituality. But in that book, it's from the early 2010s, maybe late 2000s. And, um, gosh, it's Rev Run's brother, the name's skipping me right now, of Run DMC, but anyone can look up the book. But in there, it talks about they said no to nothing. Like, he talks about it. He said no to nothing when he was doing records. And he talks about other individuals, like sculptors and, and um, really high-functioning individuals that started off by saying no to nothing because they had to make it. They didn't have any choice. They didn't have any reputation or skill. They had to go out there and make it. And by servicing everyone and building a reputation and character with everyone and a relationship, that business took care of themselves eventually. And we all know what Def Jam Records is because that's what I'm talking exactly. about when we started. Yep. So, yep. And and how many LL Cool J and Salt and Pepper and, you know, and Notorious B.I.G., Biggie Smalls, they all came out of those groups, although Biggie Smalls, um, I'm talking about P. Diddy, sorry, P. Diddy yep. came out of a different, came out of that sort of New York City hustle, but he started his own record company. But it's the same idea. They all sprouted business and he created culture and created a New York music economy for hip hop. And so... That's all because he gave it away for free at first. He was in the disco clubs, and he was hustling with a few rappers here. Beastie Boys is one of them, by the way, Def Jam Records that I'm talking about. And so all of those were discovered out of this by saying no to nothing. He would represent anyone, white, black, purple, yellow, did it matter? And that was one of the other things he did. He didn't care. He didn't want to get stuck into that. It was only black music or only white music, obviously, the Beastie Boys. And so... Like, it's just one of those things that I think is pretty cool what you said. You just did took whatever opportunity, and you built your own reputation. So let's talk about why the step so quickly into a brick and mortar. I mean, it's not very long. Uh, you're going into Lebanon. Why now, and what's the difference going to be between that and the food truck? Okay, so I have heard a lot that I'm crazy, and that's okay. I mean, people thought I was crazy going into the food truck world, too. However, it's been a huge success. Um, I, I have definitely hustled, so I understand the meaning of hustle. But why a brick and mortar is I was finding that the fees in food trucking were similar to that of a lease payment. Um, so I said, I have a devout following in Lebanon. I love that community. That community loves me back. Um they are constantly booking me for this, that, or the other. There is a lack of fresh food in that community, really all of Middle Tennessee, which we've discussed. 
but that particular community has embraced me with open arms. Um, I, the reason I'm not settling in Mount Juliet is because they have very strict food truck laws. Basically, they don't allow them. And so that's just not where I wanted to put down roots. I want to grow and foster the communities that love all forms of commerce and business. And everybody kept saying to me for the last probably six months, oh, my gosh, when are you going to have a brick and mortar? When are you going to get a cafe? I want to be able to get this, you know, just about any time or, you know, I want to be able to come by and get lunch and sit down and talk with a friend. You know, we would love to, for you to have a cafe. It was said enough that I started to look into it a little more in the couple of communities that I had heard that from. Um, I can't afford Davidson County rent. So that was out. Um, and like I said, I loved the Wilson County and, and Lebanon community. Found a wonderful spot you know, you can, you can't change a location of a restaurant. So the location was perfect, but the building needs quite a bit of work. So where I might be lacking in this, having a nice pristine building, walking into it, you know, I, I get to be able to build something exactly how I want it and have a great affordable rent and be able to expand my fresh menu um, even further, which is also a goal of mine. So I will be running the cafe and the food truck simultaneously. And I agree with you, see, the entrepreneurial ingenuity to solve problems and not cost ourselves money when we can be putting it into our own pocket or building our own value or taking that same dollar and now making it worth $2 or $3 is so important. And that's what you did. And you have to have a commissary anyways, a food truck. So I agree with you. It just makes sense to serve food and attach them together. And it's the right move. And um let's talk about how you expanded the menu and why what can you do now in the cafe that you couldn't do before that you're wanting to do or ideas that you have like i just want to understand this because you are moving quickly i don't think it's crazy i think once you capture lightning in a bottle you need to keep stacking up the bottles of lightning okay that's just the way i am and will it run out yeah and then you pivot to the next thing and figure out where lightning is that that complements the other things that used to produce lightning and so um let's talk about that what what's the difference how are you going about it are is your family involved do they run it like let's talk about the brainstorm here because you you're very thought driven i can tell you think a lot so let's talk about how and that's why you're moving so quickly that's the other thing i just want to note for people people like melanie humans like melanie think a lot and they break down problems and then rebuild them back up very quickly so i just want to note that i know that by the energy that you're giving me but go ahead um um yes my children are all helping with the build out my husband is leading the project management and basically we're all doing manual labor to get it done um obviously that saves a ton of money you know we're not paying labor in that regard we're just paying what you know what we put in it um so that's important i'm able to you asked me, you know, how will I use the cafe to grow the business? So I was limited with the food truck with what I could do for catering because coincidentally, you do need a commissary. Um, but for a cold truck and when we were at our height, you know, of business right now, obviously, it's off season for food trucks. Um, I operate as a cold truck and don't technically need a commissary. I can do everything in my truck that um, I need to do. But if I wanted to do catering, I would have to rent a commissary, like you already mentioned, which I don't want to spend that money on doing that to do larger catering. So my cap for catering was like 50 to 75 people because there's only so much room you can you can use in the food truck to build a catering. So we do on our catering menu have sandwiches and things like that where we make fresh pimento cheese, um, pasta salad, things like that. So 
when I open the cafe, I want to have all kinds of sandwich options. I'd also like to incorporate crepes, both gluten-free and non-gluten-free, depending on someone's preference, um, and be able to fill those with delicious options and have a cooktop and be able to provide, you know, a more of a heartier lunch because I have been asked for a heartier lunch. So provide that ability for people to come and have lunch, work on their Wi-Fi, maybe have a business meeting, bring their ladies groups in and sit and stay with us for a while. We'll also have um, a full coffee bar um, and it will just be a full service cafe, which is ideally what I want. I want to offer that to the community. I love this vision. So let's talk about what inspires you and motivates you every day. Like how do you get up during the day? How do you keep going? How do you keep pushing the dream? Because I know it wasn't easy and we're talking about it and it seems like a short period of time, but we're talking a lifetime of lessons before you got to where you are, where you started the food truck in the first place. So I just want to make note of that. But I just want to like, what motivates you? What keeps you going, inspires you? And then, okay, ultimately, where where are you hoping to go? Okay, what inspires me? That's a very good question. There have been days and even recent days where I've w- woken up and been like, oh, all right, F- dig deep. Because as an entrepreneur, you're not going to feel motivated every day. It's not possible. Um, but the successful entrepreneurs see past that and do the work anyway. Um, so there have been a lot of days that I have had that issue. The other thing that really motivates me is, you know, my family is a cheerleader. They're, they, they cheer me on. They work with me. If I tell my daughter that I'm like, Ooh, I'm not feeling this today. She's like, we got to do this. You know, there's no day we got to get it done. So how can I help? And that's the big deal. My sons are also very similar to that. Um, I'm a beach baby. I'm a water baby. So if I find myself really in the need to reconnect with myself, I go find a bottle, you know, a bottle. Well, that too, maybe. But I go find a body of water and sit there and reconnect with myself and remind myself of the long-term vision of my business and why I started it and where I want to go. And that usually gets me by. But otherwise, I am a very productive person. Like, I just find joy in doing a little self-care every day, also taking care of my business. I use my time management function is time blocking. So that's how I find myself most successful. I block out time and I work solely on that during that time in order to push the, the, the needle forward. I know I had a lot of food truckers that said all week, all, all summer, like you're everywhere. And that is also in large part of the phenomenal team I have behind it. They also motivate me. I can't tell you how many times I get text messages from my team. Miss Melanie, you got this. You can do it. You know, we got you. Whatever you need, all you have to do is ask. And um, they're a great group of 10, and and I couldn't do it without them either because technically it's just me leading this food truck charge. So if I didn't have them to work with and be positive and their young spirit, it would be hard to be motivated every day. Yeah, I agree with you. And that's uh, right now while I'm rebuilding my life as an entrepreneur, I find that I've surrounded myself with younger people. And I'm like 43, just so everyone's aware, just turned 43. But I am around a lot of young 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds just because they're in the entrepreneurial spirit. And as I rebuild my life, it's what I necessarily attract or I build from. And um, the spirit's important, and I agree with you. It's a great motivator and inspire, especially when I can give back and, and lead and give them something um, both tangible and non-tangible, uh, I think is really cool. So I love this. One of the things I want to ask you, 
uh, Melanie, is this. Like, you're very conscious and you're very intentional, okay? And you block out time, which I think is hugely important. I'm going to touch back on this uh, hopefully later, which is blocking out time actually gives you more time and allows you to be more places than anyone else and actually allows you to create one three days out of one day. But we can get into that another time. I found huge success in this and I exercise and I run businesses and I do podcasts and blah, blah, blah. And I go see my friends a lot. And so like as a decompressor, uh, the music side, because I like music and um, even though I can't play a lick of it and <laughs> there's, um, and, but there's intent there. So I'm going to hold off on the time thing and talk about the intent with you and your husband obviously have intent. You're very intentional in the way you raise your children and the way you've brought them into the business. So talk to me about this mindset because as an entrepreneur and as a successful woman and now building this business and the conversation your children have had with you, you've also, you've obviously with intent raised them. Okay. Not everyone does that. A lot of people just turn it over to someone else. So talk to me about that and the intent of involving them in the business. Well, I want very much for my children to be independent. Um, you know, I want them to, I've always said, my grandmother has always said, give your children roots and wings. So in the idea of giving my children roots, I know they always have me to come or us, excuse me, to come back to. And, but I also very much preach independence. Like, how can you solve the problem that you have by yourself first? Did you think about this before you came to me um, and asked me how to solve it? Or how would you go about managing this, you know, potential issue and, and solution? And there are a lot of times where they handle it far differently than how I would, but they get to the same result. So I let them do it on their own. It sometimes takes them longer, but I say, you know, in the future, maybe try this approach. Um, it might save you some time. Usually they adopt whatever it is we have told them. Um, my husband is very black and white and this is how it is. And, you know, life's not fair kind of thing. And you have to, you know, make it the best you can. Um, so, and they all, well, two of them very much have the entrepreneurial spirit in different ways. My son is very technical. Um, he likes to build things, fix things. Um, he's a fisher, hunter, that kind of thing. My daughter is the nurturer of the group, but she also wants to be a large animal vet. So she has aspirations to do that kind of stuff and, and build her own practice. And I figure this, um, my son's uncle said, if if my nephew can see his mother succeed and see you know, that the entrepreneurship is in reach, then that's all that matters to me. And coincidentally, we are a blended family. So my oldest and my middle baby girl are my stepchildren. And my youngest is my, I guess we call them biological child, but I'm not allowed to say that in front of them. Um, but we all co-parent very well yeah. and we are yeah. all together here for them. And we all are, you know, co-parenting to the same thing. And my son's uncle, who is actually my ex-husband's brother, sent me the first set of chef's knives for when I opened the food truck as a, you know, as a support gesture and, and that he is cheering for me and wants me to succeed, not only for a good example for my son, but also just because, you know, he cares about us being successful. And that, that means a lot to the kids too. Seeing everybody work together for a greater cause is a, is a great learning lesson as well. Yeah, I want to make a couple of notes there. One is like I think no matter what your family situation blended, meshed to, 
together, it's important that the legacy is still there. And as entrepreneurs, we understand that because we're also doing it for other people's kids that work for us. Just saying other humans, kids, however we want to look at it. Um, the word people's on my mind for some reason. I don't like it as much as humans, but so I try to use humans. But I think the other part of it is um, what you said is that you, you're growing people and that you guys are doing it together. And you're not only doing it as parents, but you're doing it as a tribe. Um, as co-parents and that everyone's involved and it doesn't matter if you guys disagree about anything else you agree that the children are the most important and their future is the most important and developing them particularly in this entrepreneurial space is really important Um, agreed so I like that so Melanie let's talk about do you want more stores? Do you want more food trucks? Or, you know, the catering thing is going off. I mean, it's a lot to say because it's been a lot, but I've got to imagine you have a vision for this. Is it multiple locations in Tennessee? I mean, what ultimately does your heart tell you that you want to go? That's a great question. Um, First and foremost, my driver is community. Wherever I go, I want to be able to build community. So where that is will determine where I land next. Now, this is a million dollar question, because if you ask my husband, you know, we are growing this store to be potential multiple stores. Um, And I waver because I have um, a brand that I see expanding over the course of three, five and 10 years, ultimately to end in a boutique hotel location where there will be, you know, farm to table or fresh food restaurant, something similar to roasted coconut when you enter the lobby. very much in nature, but the boutique hotel is my end game. That is where I want to get to. So in my husband's mind, gaining capital for that is important and how to do it. We sometimes differ in opinions on that, but I figure we'll come to the right conclusion when the time comes to make that decision or start pivoting towards that direction. But that is ultimately where I'm headed. I like this. Um, it wasn't where I was thinking you were going to go, honestly, but I, and I, I hear that all the time. Yeah, but it is true. I, I guess people say the same thing about me. They, they ultimately, my direction is not always the direction you, you think I'm pointed, but I think it is important in Nashville that we talk about this because boutique hotels are big there. Um, and boutique sure. hotels are growing around the country as, concepts because of these unique food concepts or unique bar concepts that are in there and Marriott even has its own brand like Moxie's trying to tap into that sort of boutique hotel with the the club on the roof and the in the nice food in the bottom and um but I like what you're doing and I think it's important because I think to actually have an experience um, a food experience and to capture people potentially for more than one meal across multiple concepts in a boutique um, or different offerings during different times of the day uh, out of the same space is a pretty cool concept that I've seen. So I really like this a lot, actually. Um, so why the hotel, though? I just I, Is it something you've always dreamed of, and this is how you're connecting the pieces and just food fell in between? For sure. So when I was giving my exit project in college for my travel and tourism discipline, my concept was a bed and breakfast. Um, I mean, down to when I did my project, I served breakfast to the class, to my instructor and things like that, because I feel like, you know, you got to incorporate the five senses. You know, I wanted them to smell. I wanted them to taste. I wanted them to feel what I was trying to share with them. 
and understand the brand as a whole. Now, I don't know necessarily if a bed and breakfast is where I end up, but a, a hotel hospitality property has definitely been always a goal. The food service part was important to me because I feel like food service in a hotel is important. Good food service is important. Um, but it's also the whole experience, you know, how you feel when you walk through the door. You know, I, you, if you don't want to leave, you don't have to. Being able to be there and relax and, you know, feel like you're in a community for the short time you're with me, that will be important and how I incorporate the hotel brand. That's how that's how I work every day in Roasted Coconut. You know, I know whose nieces and nephews might be in the hospital. I know who's graduating. Um, I know my customers by name, the regulars that I see all the time. Um, they tell me their life story. And that is where I hope my brand goes and continues to grow with is community. Yeah, one of the things I just want to point out to the audience, too, is you, you're a skill stacker. Like, that's what makes you, you're not a one-trick pony. And you've done it your whole life because you know accounting, you know the business, you know the marketing. Like, you didn't talk about how you needed to learn those things. And while you probably have stumbled your way through them, you've had a foundation of them. The things that you're learning are the entrepreneur. You're connecting that you want to get to this hotel and you have this vision and you're gaining the skills in the food service in this case or whatever else you gained before this to stack up the skills to get to where you want to go. And I think a lot of people don't understand that that's really what life is about. Um, you, where you want to go long-term means you're not going to get there right now. It's not instant. No one's going to give it to you and God's not going to magically just open the door and it's going to be there. There could be doors open for you. You still have to walk through them and they're freaking hard once you do. And, um, and so that's the, the thing here that we have to understand is that it's it, being an entrepreneur and getting to the ultimate goal, which in this case is a boutique hotel, means you got to walk through doors and a lot of hardship. And the hardship comes in gaining the skills you need to be successful at what your goal is. It'd be great if someone would just magically give Melanie a hotel, but if she had no skills to run at, she would fail at her dream. That's just not the way destiny works or whatever we want to call it, God's plan. Um, my plan, whatever, any of the way it works, if that happened and it was suddenly gifted to her, the likelihood that it would succeed is less likely and she may not have the confidence to do what she needs to do or lead the staff. So it's not saying that she wouldn't succeed. It's just saying that I'd rather have the skills and stacked up in life lessons if it were me. So Well, and I, and I want to build the capital myself versus having investors and, and yeah. giving up percentages of my company. I want, let's talk about that. Why? Well, I had an investor come forward a couple months ago and, you know, he was very enthusiastic. You know, he understood where the brand was going in Lebanon and, you know, but he wanted 40% forever. And I was like, that's a lot. So I, I said no to that. Um, I've talked about an SBA loan. I've talked about that. But having 100% of the company is very important for my legacy, for my family. I don't like being told no. So if there's an, you know, they say they're silent, but they also give their opinions. So I don't love the word no. So I usually find a way around no. So I figure if I don't have an investor, then I have it's one problem I don't have to deal with. And you're now conscious about making the money yourself and you're conscious about how to grow your business and value to have that money for yourself. Like I think that that's an important piece because learning that skill is so important to be successful in business so you can carry it to the next thing you do. Like so many people don't realize that one of the skills as an entrepreneur that we gain is the ability to make money on our own. 
and the ability to attract people that are willing to pay us for our skills or our services. And that it's not just the thing that we're doing right now, it's way more because often when we have that energy, we can take that energy and turn up the volume and go do other things as well, which is what you're doing. And I like that you're so aggressive in it. Once you turn, once you turn the page, you're, this is spot on. We're going for this. I'm prepared. I have this skill. So last question I have for you, Melanie, as we start to wrap things up, if you could like, if your children came to you and said, mom, what are the things that you, you think are the most important as an entrepreneur? What would they be in Okay, and here's the other thing. That's one to your children. And then the second one is all the other mothers, uh, women, entrepreneurs out there that are sort of juggling children and trying to make a transition. Like what advice would you go give them that listen to the podcast that are sort of whether I do this or not? So there's two questions there. One is your children as entrepreneurs. What advice do you give them? And um, if you had to, and then other mothers, women, entrepreneurs that are in your situation that are trying to make the leap. Okay, so for my children, things will never go as planned and always be able to pivot on a dime when it doesn't go as planned. I can tell you every day of the food truck, something goes wrong and we have to find a workaround for whatever it is. That, that is true in life and in entrepreneurship. You have to be able to pivot. You see somebody else coming out with your idea, pivot your marketing. Make it, make it fresh, make it different. So always be thinking, um, always be willing to be flexible, bend, and nothing will go as planned. So just be prepared for that and have backup plans. For the moms, listen, we're all just trying to figure it out as we go. I can say that having, having a tribe behind you um, is important. So if you don't have family or anything around you that is able to help you with children if they're young, Find your tribe, find a place where they can, you know, provide you the ability to to build your business and and do that. But you can't do it without some sort of support system. I'm lucky in the fact that my kids are teenagers. I did consciously wait until they were old enough to be able to do this. I feel like those 11 years I was at the law firm prepared me for this more than anything as far as the learning tool, but also giving my kids the consistency and stability that I knew they needed. Um, during that time and that they came to me and they were like, you're good. We're good. You can, you can take off, but every mom knows their situation better than anyone. So my only piece of advice is find your tribe, find your support system. It does not have to be blood related to be a support system. I have wonderful friends, um, who have stepped up and been able to support me in all kinds of different facets through this whole process. Absolutely. Thank you, Melanie. I'm going to have you back on the podcast for sure. Once you guys open up the location and have like a month or two under your belt so we can talk about what that transition is like and how far we're getting towards the boutique hotel, if that's okay with you. Because I'd like to tell a second just because you do have your head on straight and I don't want to... I don't want to get you comfortable because there's a long way to go in building and there's a lot of tours that open that have a lot of other monsters behind them. And, so uh, and so I just wanted to say thank you. And I, I love the attitude of bringing fresh food to middle Georgia. It's something I believe in as well. It's something that I believe in, in, in that is needed there as well. And taking like good Southern food and good, food from around the world and just making it healthier and cleaner and it doesn't take much and it's really simple and everyone thinks it's so complicated it doesn't need to taste good but it's just the way it is so 
Thank you, Melanie. If you guys want to find you. us on Instagram, again, at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs. And if you want to take a listen, you can find us on Spotify. I almost said Shopify for some reason. Spotify, sorry, guys, or anywhere else you grow yourself through podcasts. Um, and thank you for everyone listening in. If you like what we're doing or you're liking what the entrepreneurs are sharing, give us a good rating on Instagram or wherever you listen to us. Please, ratings matter. They help. And also, please share the podcast with other potential entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs out there in the food space. Um, These episodes do help. So thank you, everyone, and goodbye. All right. Thank you.